You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hey everyone, this is Sherry. And this is Adam. You know, Sherry, we've said it a couple times in these last couple episodes about the importance of staying connected. And that's true not only for you and me that try to stay away from the places that we would like to go visit, mm-hmm. but it's especially important for patients in the hospital. They can't be mm-hmm. visited by friends, family, and their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Well, this episode is all about that. It's, it's about um, coming up with innovative solutions to keep everybody connected. Hi, I'm Jenna Renstrom from Mercy One Siouxland Medical Center in Sioux City, Iowa. And today on our podcast, I'm with Jacob Treeweiler. He's one of our clinical nurse managers here at Mercy One Siouxland. Jacob, you kind of grew up here at Mercy One, were a patient, and then went to uh, study and become a nurse. And now you're a nurse manager. Tell me a little bit more about your background. Well, um, so like you said, Jenna, I am. I was a patient here. So I... Um, Got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was a senior in high school. Um, Spent some time here as a patient. And then um, really my experience here as a patient um, helped me want to become a nurse. I wanted to become a nurse after my experience here and went to school locally at Barcliffe University, graduated, um, moved away for a year, worked in a a hospital in Nebraska for a year, and then uh, made my way back to Sioux City and and back to Mercy One. I've been at Mercy One now for almost eight years. Uh, worked in our uh, ER as a nurse, um, moved into a health supervisor role after that, and then now in my current role as a clinical nurse manager for almost five years now of our Six Southeast, our medical department, and our COVID department. And I have to mention, too, that you're truly a Mercy One family because your wife, Rhiannon, also is a Mercy One colleague, so we love that. Yes. Well, actually, there's more than just my my wife as well. My uh, My mother has worked here for 25 years in the lab. She's a senior med tech in the lab. Um, my sister has worked here as in capacity as a CNA, and my uh, brother now actually works. Um, well, he's in college as well as a security tech. So it really is all in the family at Mercy One. Oh, I love it. Our family, our Mercy One family, our families at home have all been through this incredible challenge that was uh, the COVID-19 surge that we experienced over the summer and, and the continued experiences we're having with navigating healthcare during the pandemic. Um, one of the floors that you oversee, Jacob, is a covid a 100% COVID unit. Tell me a little bit about the structure of that unit. Um, I believe it opened back this spring and then continues to be where we care for our COVID positive patients. Yes, so actually I have the date. I know the exact date, the date sticks out of my mind. It was April 25th when we opened this COVID unit. We call it COVID-T, COVID telemetry. These, these patients, most patients, these patients require telemetry. Um, it is a 20-bed unit. It is our former oncology unit. Um, you know, it's and every patient that's on this unit um, has a diagnosis of COVID. Uh, each pa- each nurse, um, you know, we have a donning area that they will, each nurse will don their PPE and they, um, you know, arrive on the unit. They cross what we have as a red line. So once you cross that red line, um, you cannot come off the unit until you um, take off your PPE. And um, we've had patients with that unit has, you know, been full. Um, it has been nearly empty, um, and at this point in time, we are currently near full again. So, um, it's it's been a it's been a work in progress. We've learned a lot over these last six months uh, from from COVID itself, and um, I yeah, would really like just really like to call out all the the staff that we have here, 
um, at the hospital and, and really how they've continued to, um, to work through everything that we've experienced. You talked about what that unit looks like now, and it is so different if, you know, for our colleagues that remember what that looked like pre-COVID, just your run-of-the-mill regular nursing floor. Um, after your April date, that sticks out in your mind, of course. If you enter that area, it's a very different feel. Of course, the doors are closed. You mentioned the red line. You peer through the window and see our colleagues in the full PPE caring for patients. Those doors are that level of safety, of course, not only for our colleagues, but for the family members on the other side of this patient experience. And that's what we really want to talk about today, of course, is um, this pandemic that separated families physically during, um, during treatment for our COVID-positive patients. Just to kind of set the stage for that, Jacob, what was that initially like to care for patients where um, they couldn't have a husband, a wife, a child, a loved one at their bedside? Yeah, um, you know, it was hard. It still is hard, right? Um, having those um, those support members of those families, they're not here to take care of those, you know, to take care of their loved one in the hospital, you know. A lot of people take care of their loved ones at home and they're not here to spend that time with them in the hospital. Um, just that initial challenge is hard. Um, we experienced initially and still experience um, language barriers. So language barrier is really difficult, especially if someone is so sick that they can't, um, they can't communicate because they're so out of breath. Um, you know, we utilized uh, many different modalities to communicate with those patients whether it be the family members themselves, you know, our language lines, our video, mod our video computers, um, the video language computers, along with, you know, our, our language interpreting phones. So that challenge, the language barrier was a hard one. And then um, also I should mention, you know, of course our COVID positive patients were um, isolated uh, from their family, but um, at different times through this journey, so were all of our patients. And uh, visitor restrictions um, became a process for our hospitals and still continues to be something we navigate. So we all had to get creative as an organization, which I think, Jacob, um, and kind of share your side of this, is one of these bright spots. I mean, it's innovation out of necessity, of course, and maybe not how we would want it to happen. But I remember the first story I heard was actually in our ICU um, with a patient who wanted to talk to her husband and her husband, of course, wasn't allowed to visit. And the nurse herself um, downloaded Google Duo on her phone and was able to, you know, do this FaceTime type of communication between the wife and, and her husband. And just the husband being able to see my wife is cared for. There she is. I can see her, you know, bridge that gap just a little bit. What stories stand out in your mind? Well, you know, we did talk, we talked about the challenges, but there mm -hmm. was some successes. And, you know, you talk about the FaceTime, you talk about the Google Duo, um, you know, staff would download Zoom on their phones and, you know, they would, they would do, they would do Zoom with the, the, the uh, patients, you know, so the patients could see their loved ones. Uh, there are two stories that stick out in my mind and both of them give me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. They really do. There was a patient we had for, it was over 20, we had, it was over 20 days in the hospital and. They did, they, you know, they did the FaceTime with their family, um, but they really wanted to see their family in person. So we were able to arrange um, for their family to go down on Fifth Street, and they were able to walk across the street 
and this patient was in a room where they could they could peer out in the room and they could see their family oh, and their family held up signs and waved and you know it was really those words of encouragement for that for that patient here so that there was that one instance um mm-hmm. the second one was um we had a, a patient who was pregnant and she delivered her baby so the morning after she delivered her baby she spoke with the nurse and said hey, i you know i um they, I delivered my baby, but I haven't been able to, I haven't had a chance to see my baby yet. And so the staff was able to, you know, get a, get a FaceTime session together with her new baby and herself. And she was able to, she was able to physically see her baby wow. over, over a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really powerful that, you know, as you, as you, as we all know, there's that, there's that bonding time when mm-hmm. a, a mother delivers an infant right away and, and how powerful how powerful that moment is. So if what in that, in that moment we could help her see her child for the first time, even though she could not physically hold, hold her first born, her firstborn. Oh my goodness. Those aren't ideal situations, obviously making the best of a bad situation, but how for our colleagues, how would you say um, they reacted to those moments? Were they powerful for them as well? Yes, I mean the my you know my employees and the colleagues here at the hospital they still talk about they still talk about those moments, and I think really what we've experienced over this last you know six seven months with COVID with uh, you know with innovating and and changing changing different ways we we care for our patients and our families, I, I think the experiences that we've learned these nurses are going to carry with them for the rest of their career. You know, I was speaking with one of uh, one of my colleagues the other day, and one of the other the nurses on a on a department, and um, she spoke about her personal experiences with her dad, and you know, the experiences from when she was a nurse taking care of COVID patients to when she was the family member of a patient that had COVID, and how she really looks at the whole patient experience differently now, and yes, you know, communication with family is important. And so she structures her day a whole lot. She structures her day differently now as a result of, yes, I want that family to be involved in the care and they need to know. So she structures her day in, in which that, you know, these are the these are the times that I'm going to update the family and I'm going to let them know this is what's going on with your loved one. That's a really, really good point because we talk about some of the opportunities for family to see each other just for that connection experience or way to stay connected, but connecting our families with the information. I mean, we all know if you've had any experience, um, any medical experience at a clinic or a hospital, getting that information to the people who, who are your support system is so important. And then when they can't physically be here, I mean... Um, I imagine, or I know that that those are learnings that will carry on with us um, as Mercy One in the future, and and uh, create that patient experience a bit differently, don't you think? I agree. Yes. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, it just just the way that we've uh, we've been able to shape and, and change and overcome some of these obstacles. This will really shape how our staff care for our patients sure. and our and our and, and their loved ones going forward. And it's very much um, just speaks to the cultural beliefs that we hold dear to. I mean, innovation, of course, we talk about that, but um, personalized care and making sure every experience for each patient um, touches them in a way that's important to them. And then improving daily and, and always looking for, this is good, how can it be better? I think we've had a lot of those moments 
um, during our COVID journey and uh, things that were adopted that are just too good now to to let go. I have to share this other story our consumer experience coach shared with me, one of my favorites from uh, hearing these stories of the patients. And this was uh, a woman who missed her cat. Of course, the cat could not come to the hospital during her stay, but she worked with um, that patient's family to print off pictures of the cat, of the family members, got them laminated to hang in her room. And that was such, you know, such a little thing that made a huge impact to that person. And I just know if, if that's one example, there are dozens more like it, yes. it out there. But, you know, I think of the times I've been in the hospital, even for a short time, and those reminders of home, right? keep you on that um on that that path to to healing and getting to that place and boy that hope is so important yes. right now isn't it? it it really is and i mean you, you speak of the cat and you speak of you know really making it homey you know there's this there's the special blanket that you have at home there's the there's the toy there's the there's the different objects that remind you of home you know there are there are countless stories and and um, there's different ways that you can really, really provide that personalized care and that, um, you know, that patient experience and that comfort, you know, comfort is always part of healing. Absolutely. If you're able to, you know, if you're able to have some type of comfort and some, you know, whether it's an object or whether it's just that time with your, with your family on the phone, um, that is something that will help you heal. Personalized care for our colleagues is also something that I think um, we always knew was important, but especially with the demands of COVID care um, rose to the surface as something we really needed to focus on. I know you, that was especially important to you, Jacob, with your colleagues to make sure that they could process what was going on. How did you, how did you provide that personalized care for your staff? Um, really, number one, it's constant communication. Um, what, um, as in my short time in leadership now, um, you know, I, I've always heard communication is important with staff. And during this time, it's, it's especially important. Um, so I was in constant communication. Um, you know, there was a point in time where we had updates daily, right? And things were changing daily. And we really want to remember what we've experienced during this time. And um, pictures are powerful. Right. So pictures are very powerful. And and, you know, I still take pictures with the staff on the unit. You know, I mean, really, let's let's just take pictures. Let's remember this um, when this is all over. Jenna, maybe I'll have you help me do a scrapbook. COVID scrapbook. Uh, yes, we're going to do all a COVID scrapbook. One. And um, I think really just remembering and reflecting on this time. And and that's how we can continue to support each other. Um, always just just reaching out to the staff, um, whether they need something or not. I think just checking in on the staff periodically. Um, daily or however however often that is, is, is so important. As we wrap this up, Jacob, um, final thoughts on, on what you've learned that you would especially um, carry with you closely in the future, something that you just know, okay, this is the moment I won't forget, and this will change how I will deliver personalized patient care in the future. I really think it's it's spending the time, spending the time to listen. Not only listen to um, our patients that we have in the hospital and what they're going through, but it's listening to the colleagues, listening to really what's going on and how we can help support, you know, each one of us in the organization to continue to lift each other up. So support is so important. Mm -hmm. And um, if we support each other um, from from in, in all levels of the organization, I think that's what's that's what's going to be important going forward. 
I think too, um, what I would share for a listener who um, might be on the other side of this, you know, uh, maybe you have a loved one who you help manage their care, communication on their side as well. Um, I know our clinical teams want those loved ones to be an active member of that care circle. And that's such a great opportunity to make those connections. It's a little bit different now sometimes with the with the um, different regulations in place, but more important than ever to have that team of people around you that can um, help you do the best for the person that you love. Thanks, Jacob, for talking with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you Thank very you much. Thank you for listening. What wonderful stories from Jenna and Jacob over in Siouxland. We hope you enjoyed that. And if you have any stories of staying connected, be sure to send that in to our submission page. You can go to mercyone.org slash podcast and fill out the form. You can also send us an email at podcast at mercyhealth.com. We'll see you next week. Until then, live your best life.